Today's episode of No Sleep Till Belmont is brought to you by Robinhood. With Robinhood, you can invest in stocks, options, and ETFs right from your phone. You can even spend and earn interest on uninvested cash. And with fractional shares, you can buy stocks in any amount, including companies like Apple, Amazon, and Tesla for as little as $1. And that's with no commission fees or account minimums. So whether you're new to investing and ready to learn or just looking for a better experience, stop waiting and join the 10 million Robinhood users. Listeners can get started with a free stock by going to nosleep.robinhood.com. That's nosleep.robinhood.com. All investments involve risk. This is not an investment advice, a recommendation, or a solicitation of any security. Other fees may apply. Visit rbnhd.co slash fees. The free stock program is subject to certain limitations. Annual percentage yield on uninvested cash is paid by program banks and is variable. Robinhood Financial is not a bank. Welcome back, everyone. This is Arthur Staple, your host of No Sleep Till Belmont, the Islanders podcast from The Athletic. Joined as always, he's always on a break, I feel like. This is what retired play. Like, hey. I, I'm on a little bit of a break. The players are, the NHL players are on a break. You, retired NHL player, nice long break. It's Mark Parrish, everybody. A, a very nice long break. Thank you. Yeah, it's, you know, it's funny, though, to, you know, you retire at 35 and you're so excited, and especially a guy like me. I thought I was going to be the one guy that could sit on the couch and do nothing, it doesn't take long to just kind of realize, um, maybe I should get my ass off the couch. <laughs> Especially my wife, two, three weeks into retirement, she walks by with, she walks by with a basket of laundry and just this big, don't you have anywhere you can go? I thought she was going to just drop the laundry at your feet and be like, get to work, buddy. <laughs> I don't know. She wasn't doing that. She was just sick of me being on. You forget, and you forget about that as a professional athlete as much as we traveled. They were used to us traveling too, so it's their house, that's their kingdom, and I learned right away: do not make any suggestions about how things work in the kitchen. Ever, ever, ever suggest it. Fair enough. Well, uh, even though the Islanders are now officially on their five-day break, which is different from the All-Star break, which they just had, <laughs> which also lasted around five days, um, yeah. we've still got a lot to talk about. Uh, Matthew Barzell was the only Islander who was uh, at the All-Star game, did win fast the skater. We'll talk about him uh, in our second segment. But in this first segment, generally speaking, uh, as a former player and a former All-Star, um, what do you think of the the event now as compared to when you were playing and when you participated in it? And is there anything that you see now that they could do uh, to make it a little bit more attractive, whether it's to the fans or even to the, the guys that get picked, some of whom don't always feel like going yeah well and, you know and, and it, it is kind of funny but i remember uh, my year uh 2002 i can't remember somebody i can't remember who got hurt or who had uh, who had to pull out uh of the game and they actually called keith kachuk and and he literally was just like no I, i've already made plans i'm not backing somebody <laughs> up if i if i'd have made it right off the bat i probably would have gone but no i'm not coming so it, it's funny, funny but there are guys that yeah they've done it so many times they're just like Nah, we don't really need it. You know, our stats are padded enough where it's just. Uh, and I don't mind the way the, young, the guys are doing it now, like with Ovechkin and guys that are uh, 
doing it for at least they're saying they're doing it for the right purpose i don't i don't see ovechkin as a guy i mean he's he's uh he's he's kind of exciting hockey player and he feeds off crowds and everything like that i I actually see that view that one as a kind of a legit hockey move he plays physical he's a big boy and he gives more rest for his team i have no problem with that i would never say no well i didn't say no to my (laughs) to my one but uh I, I like the all-star game now. I, I like how they do it. I wish that I, I, I really enjoy. I thought the draft was fun. Yeah. I, I, I kind of, you know, just add something for the, the players to do too, instead of just coming in doing the same old, same old. I like the old three on th- the new three on three game. I loved the women's game. I love that they added women in this year. I thought that was great. I enjoyed that one, especially the U S Canada rivalry, which is awesome. Uh, but as always, I'm a skills night guy. I, I, the skills night when I was playing was the most fun for me uh, and watching. I just enjoyed that the most, just kind of seeing how guys are going to handle all that uh, pressure while having fun. And, oh, there's probably a beer or two somewhere stuck on that <laughs> bench that nobody can see. Yeah, maybe not anymore. I don't think that might have been <laughs> might have been from the Keith Kachuk, Mark Parrish era, but I feel like <laughs> these, uh, these younger guys sure. are... Uh, or maybe not stashing Bud Lights uh, under the dasher or anything like that, but Fair just enough. Pro- just uh, just right my, own, on that one. my own viewpoint. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and it sounds like uh, next year's All Star Game, which is in South Florida, which I think might perk up a few uh, potential All Stars ears, because if you either have the five day break before or after, it might not sound so bad to spend Stay some time right in South there. Florida or somewhere in the Caribbean and then just show up for an All Star Game kind of in your flip-flops and your and your uh board shorts and great mid-season tan yeah yeah i think i think that location is nothing against st louis st louis is a great city but it's not very easy to get from there to someplace warm in the middle of january so Correct. maybe that'll, that'll we'll, we'll see some we'll see some fewer uh, dropouts next year and also uh, i think what was hinted at by gary bettman was that it could be some sort of mini world cup uh, since they couldn't really settle on the World Cup situation, that would be to me. You have four teams, whether it's you know U.S., Canada, yeah. Europe, and then the Young Guns again, and then just kind of throw it. That and I, I think that might have a little bit more juice to it than the divisional alignment, which still, like you said, is fun. To, you know, the three on three is a great format for it. The fact yep. that it's part of the league now in terms of overtime also makes it a little bit more familiar to fans. Exactly. Um, so I think uh, I think the the U.S. Canada Europe young guys uh, format would be uh, would be a fun one if they tried that out. I think that's genius. I really like that. That would be cool. Uh, you know, and that was I think uh, it, you know when I was in two thousand two, that was kind of I think that was where they were going for a couple of years, trying to do the North America versus right, the right, world right. and whatnot, and it just kind of. I, I don't know. It didn't. The response even from the players, not just the players, that didn't play it. Like, well, why don't you just do the conferences? You know, <laughs> even the, it's just you know, it's yeah, it's fun. But at the same time, like I'm playing against Yashin as a teammate. Teammates are playing against each other. It just, I think that would uh, their vision was a little bit different. But this idea I like a lot. If you yeah, had to do it, that, you really split it up, and that's right. great. You, and I think the fact that they had some of those teams for the World Cup, which was such a big hit. Um, mm-hmm. will help uh, will help get a little a little more juice going in the game. And yeah, I agree with you. Having the the women's three on three event on the skills night was fantastic. And if there was a way to work in, you know, the three the you know a team of the best women in the world somehow into that into the, the little uh, oh. the little round robin, that would be pretty awesome too. And I would have, uh, I mean, I, I would have actually liked to have seen uh, maybe a little, you know mix in mix in a little bit more in the skills competition. Like I know Hillary Knight's got an absolute cannon 
crying yeah. out loud. I would have loved to have seen that. Or, you know, I know that uh, uh, Kendall O'Coin, uh, uh, excuse me, yeah, Kendall Coyne, um, she she went into the fast skater last year. Last year, so right. Last year, yeah. it was last year. Yeah, like integrate more of that. Bring yeah. them in more, you know. Yeah, if they, maybe they put, you know, each of the teams for the All-Star team next year had one woman on it. There's yeah. lots of ways they yes, could go with it. Exactly. And I think, And I think the idea that, that you have to have it be a traditional game like you played in, like we're playing these guys and these guys, and it's five on five. It's just like five on five at half speed just doesn't like this yeah. is this is the right format. Does there's no there's no idea that's too gimmicky as far as I'm concerned because it's it's a gimmicky weekend and that's the whole point. And I think that that brings in a lot of the non traditional fans that they want yep. to start being involved in the game. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I agree with all that. I love that, and especially. Uh, you know, being, you know, playing the five on five, going uh, not quite full speed, let's just say that, <laughs> uh, five on five, it, it, it kind of kind of can get boring because if everybody's kind of going that same speed, that means, you know, the defenseman, you're really not pushing anything to uh, to get, you know, a lot of great scoring opportunities. And then with three on three, it doesn't matter what speed you go three on three. There's going to be two on ones. There's going to be breakaways. There's right. going to be those moments that you can truly show off the in game skill. Now, uh, in your All Star game, um, being that it was your first time, and you probably, I'm not, I'm hoping I'm not making too many assumptions. Probably didn't think you were going to be like a regular participant in this thing. I every never year. thought I was going to be one in the first place. <laughs> well, the good. I'm glad I'm not insulting you. I mean, no, I, would, not I would totally a, I, not even would, over at all. It wouldn't concern me to insult you. You know that. But in this case, <laughs> now, when so you're there for that weekend, are you kind of, and let's talk specifically about the game. Are you being as deferential as possible to the Brian Leeches and the, you know, the, the, the big stars of the day? Um, or are you like, yeah, I, I got to get mine. I'm not, I might not get back here. It would, you know, I, it, I honestly, uh, if I felt like a fan. I felt like a fan with like the best seat in the house is kind of how I felt. Uh, I was, uh, there was a bunch of us, uh, that were first timers, uh, myself, Theodore, Aginla, uh, I'm not sure. I don't know if that was Thornton's first time or not, but, uh, Mike York and, uh, we're all kind of sitting, you know, at the Staples Center. We got the home locker room, which a couple years down the road was my locker room, actually. <laughs> and, uh, we just were sitting there taking it all in, you know, like there's these, you know, it's Patrick Watts, Pronger, Korea, Lemieux, all these guys, Leach. Uh, and they're, you know, of course, all those, they're all these veterans that know each other because they've battled against each other in Stanley Cups and World Championships and World Cups and, and, and the greats of the greats and all that and all and four other all-star games. Uh, so, yeah, we, like all of us, I remember sitting with the Ginla in New York, we just kind of sat there and we were kind of mumbled amongst ourselves in the locker room <laughs> saying like can you believe we're here you know one of us did a little bit better with the rest of their career than the other two in the hall of fame shortly and um uh so it was really cool with just so so for that moment so the the skills night uh you know they came in and uh robbie fatoric literally went in like all right uh mario do you, you want to do anything and he's just like <laughs> no nah, i don't want to do anything uh, okay, and he just literally went went down the line in priority, and uh, I I just got somehow stuck with the fastest skater. Wow, how'd you finish yeah. in that one? Yeah, that was that <laughs> was did that you was, did you finish in that one? I did. You know, for a second, for what I was in second place for a moment. Wow, because I went second. 
<laughs> my and I have two 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 of my favorite stories. One, uh, so I get a I get a voice message, and, and this is the cell service wasn't that great, so I, I didn't hear it in the locker room. I didn't hear it until after the skills competition, and we went out, uh, got outside, hanging out with my family and whatnot. And uh, Sean Bates left me about a two minute long message and he was trying to get out how he couldn't believe that I was in the fastest skater, <laughs> but he was laughing too hard. <laughs> he couldn't get the words out. It, it cracked. It was so much. I, I, one of my favorite voicemails ever. And it was great because then the next year, some guy that clearly doesn't know hockey ranked me as one of the top 10 skaters in the East. And I was a little bit faster than Sean. Bates. <laughs> That's fantastic. Ah, uh, well, that's a good memory to have. At least you got the voicemail to to keep from that oh, skills. Oh, for sure. Event. For sure. Um, yeah, so uh, all-star memories are good. Uh, this mm-hmm. all-star's not so successful for uh, Matthew Barzal, but, uh, yeah. but still, fa- his fastest skater was, hey. was pretty impressive. That's right. Yeah, he he won it. I just slowly went down to sixth. <laughs> we just got finished talking about the all-stars, but coming up, uh, we've got... Super Bowl talk from DraftKings. Can you believe this is the last game of the season? It's been fun-filled, record-setting, and action-packed all the way through. Now there's only one fitting way to end the season, with DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. DraftKings Sportsbook is a safe, secure, and reliable betting app. Place your bets for America's biggest game of the year with the American-made DraftKings Sportsbook app. Head to the app right now and check out all they have to offer, including countless prop bets and football squares. A couple prop bets that I like... I always like that over-under on the anthem length. And uh, will a lineman score a touchdown? Big guy TD? I bet you can bet on that. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code QUICK when you sign up. For a limited time, all new users can get a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. That's right. DraftKings Sportsbook is going all out with a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. Don't forget, that's code QUICK and get your sign-up bonus up to $1,000 only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey only. Bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus and a first bet match, each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. So yeah, like we said, Matthew Barzell uh, had a nice weekend winning fastest skater. Beating Connor McDavid on anything has got to be an accomplishment. Uh, and it was a weird week for him because he came off of the last... Islander game uh, sitting out the entire third period at the Garden of a, of a game that they won and he had two assists and um, there wasn't anything I think to the to the average fan's eye or even average reporter's eye I mean it, you know he had a couple of turnovers but I guess uh, there was one in particular at the end of the second period that um, particularly irked Barry Trotz and so he sat him out for the entire third and the Islanders Came very close to giving that one back to the Rangers with uh, a couple of ill-advised penalties late, but they did hold on to win. Uh, Trotz was kind of uncharacteristically uh, short with his words after that game, which is very rare for him. He usually explains anything that he decides to do. Uh, and his hope was that the the break would do Barzell some good and kind of get him back on track in the, in the team-first Islander hockey way. So... Uh, maybe not the best place to go after getting that message is to the all-star game where it's all about individual performance and star study <laughs> skills. But uh, I think Matthew is a guy who, who feeds off confidence and uh, winning the fastest skater and beating McDavid and getting in the spotlight there probably helped. Um, 
uh, the Metro team kind of bowed out after the first game, so that was yeah. nothing special. But uh, but now we're back to the real thing. So, uh, what did you make of Barzal being benched at the end of that game against the Rangers? And how do you how do you carry that into a, a very long break for a guy who uh, you know is arguably the most important or one of the most important Islanders for them down the stretch and into the playoffs? Um, it's, it, it, it's hard to say that, that there can be so many you know, reasons why. Uh, and, uh, I, I instantly thought of it, you know, coming back off the stretch. Uh, yeah, yeah, maybe there was a, there was something that, uh, coach Trout saw that Barry saw in Matthew's game that he, he wasn't happy with. Maybe that he was kind of, maybe it was his, he was starting to walk around with his chest a little pumped out. He's going to another all-star game. Maybe he's not quite staying focused enough and maybe not necessarily on the ice, but off the ice as well. And like you said, with the turnovers, that, that that's usually when coaches right away like are, are you into this are you, are you focused is your head into it it's usually the turnovers typically they're not always so it's a physical mistake it's it's usually it's just mental like how you're making the you're making the decision to make that player try that play and, and you got to stick with us and that might have been something what coach trotz was doing was trying to get him to just hey you still stick with us here. It ain't the all-star break yet. Yeah, we know you're going there. Like, come on now. Come on, you can be better. Uh, and also, uh, to for that, maybe it was something that was a little bit, that was that, that had not just been happening that game, but in this, the last couple games that he has seen to where he is kind of mentally checked out. And what you do is you bench that player the third period, and then he has to sit there and think about it all break. And it's just going to, the fire in his belly is going to get stronger and stronger and stronger. And he's going to come back hungry. And there are players, and I'm not 100% positive without coaching and talking to Coach Strauss directly about it. But he, there are players, greats, average players, uh, that, that, that feed off challenge. That, oh, you're questioning me? Oh, you don't think I'm in this? Let me show you. And that is exactly what they want. So he, he might have been doing this for more of a long term after the break to make sure Matthew Barzell's not still stuck in St. Louis and enjoying like, hey, I'm an all-star and whatever, come back, you know, chest pumped out, you know, big old fat cat doesn't feel like he has to work because, hey, I'm one of the best in the league and come back just hungry and angry to show his coach what he and who he really is. Yeah, I I definitely agree with that, and and I think you know the reactions, um, you know, you see on social media, people obviously they you know they fans tend to take the player side in most of these things because the players are the ones they really they really like. Um, (laughs) But it's also it's also setting an example, and I think you know if you if you do that to um, you know if some if. Ross Johnson or, you know, even go further up the line. If an Anthony Bovillier makes a bad turnover and you sit him out, you're not sure how it's going to how it's gonna sit with him knowing who he is. And I think Barry prides himself on getting to know his players as individuals and getting to know what works to motivate them and what doesn't. And, yes, yep. there are different rules for different guys. It's just the way it is. It's yep. much, like, much like in life. Uh, you know, when we're, we're not talking about breaking laws or anything, but when it comes to, to personal <laughs> guidelines, you treat yeah. your children differently because you know how they react to things. You have your you have your basic set of rules, but also when they're all adults, like these guys are, um, yep. the the priority list does take effect, and that's that's reality. And I think when you, as a coach, embrace that as opposed to saying this is our hard and fast rule for everybody, 
No, you, you, I'm talking about turnovers. Any next guy who turns a puck over at the blue line is going to sit. Uh, you know, it doesn't have the effect of sitting their best player, who was arguably having a pretty good game too, with uh, you know a couple of nice assists, including one where he and Jordan Eberle went two two on three behind the Ranger net and came away with the puck, and he set up Anders Lee for the goal to make it three nothing. Yeah. You know, that was that was a hard work goal, and and if you're looking for hard work, that was an example for Barzell. So I think that also maybe confused some people, but but you know he did try to dangle a little bit inside the Ranger blue line with about a minute left in the second period with a with a 3 nothing lead. Turned it over. They came the other way. There was a deflected shot that Grice made a nice save on and just before the horn, and I imagine, um, you know, we'd heard Trot say uh, in more vague terms in uh, previous after previous games that we have some guys that are, you know, thinking me first and we need team first and we got to fix that, and now we know who mm-hmm. one of the guys he was talking about. And, and you have to... To kind of get everybody's attention too, I think that makes um, that's that's an example. And uh, fair or not, it's uh, that's the tool that he's using, like you said, to to try to motivate not only Matthew Barzot to play the way that he wants him to play, but also maybe a few other people who didn't get set out. Yeah, you're right. It's 100% carries more weight when your best player gets set. If your captain gets set, everybody on the bench is going, "Oh, holy cow! If he's not giving him a break, I I got to go out there and be perfect." Um, now, having said that, uh, I don't imagine that it's going to continue for very long unless Barzal continues to, you know, do a little bit of freelancing. But uh, yes. but also, forty two points in forty nine games. He's he's far and away their leading scorer. Um, he has tailed off goal scoring wise. I think it's one in the last fourteen or fifteen going into the break. Um, so that's an area where. You know, he set a standard by scoring a lot more than he had the previous couple of years with 16 in his first 30 or so games. But, you know, maybe that was a little bit too, uh, you know, you weren't expecting a 45-goal season yeah. from the guy. But yes. uh, but 30 is a realistic expectation, and I think maybe the things that have crept back into his game, I think particularly on the with the man advantage, is a lot of, you know, looking away from the front of the net, looking, looking to, you know, low to high or just kind of like spinning around uh, off that half wall in the dot where he hangs out. Um, and, uh, you know, attacking downhill was kind of the, the key phrase that everyone was parroting to to us uh, at the beginning of the year when Jim Hiller came on, that they wanted more go- funneling towards the net. They didn't really want the kind of, you know, messing around away from the, the front of the net. And, um, you know, I think their power play – until that Ranger game when they scored twice had been really, you know, scuffling and, and Barzell had been in the middle of a lot of it. So, uh, you know, yep. this is the time for him to refocus and, and maybe that last little that last little kick in the pants of sitting out the entire third period, especially while his team almost gave away a four-goal lead, probably, <laughs> probably is a very good motivator. Absolutely. And, yeah, that's uh, – uh, and, and they're right. The, the best power plays throughout history uh, have always established the shot. They're always a threat. So it always kept penalty killers, even myself, later on my career, got the penalty kill. When you were playing against a team that you knew if you were going to give them an opportunity to shoot, they were shooting and they were crashing the net. So instead of pressuring more, you kind of tended to worry about just more or less, not that you don't already, but being in shooting lanes and you start to collapse just a little bit more. And the more you establish that shot, all of a sudden they collapse a little bit more. And then maybe the forwards get a little, oh crap, he's going to shoot now. Now I'm going to go, now I'm going to go block the shot. I'm ready for him to shoot. Then the seams open up. Once you establish that, establish that shot and keep those teams on, keep that penalty kill on their heels. Uh, one, you outnumber them. 
So eventually the rebound will just land on somebody's stick if you're collapsing and if you're going towards the net with that shot, following that shot through. And second, you're going to get the teams that get tired and they're going to get they're going to get overextended, and then that's when seams start opening up. One guy messes up and presses too far, kind of misses. You pass through the seam, and then if somebody else goes, the defenseman on the far side, oh, now I got to make up for that. Well, then another seam opens. So that's I that, that I love that. That's how the best power plays. It's it's, it's establishing the shot and for knowing teams that if they miss that or if they give you any kind of lane to the net, that you're taking it, and that puts a lot of stress and pressure on penalty killers. And as far as you know, what we've heard from from Barzal, you know, his media day was uh, at the All Star game might have been a little bit uh, awkward. It's kind of funny that the two guys who came from the New York teams, um, him and Chris Kreider, Kreider's, you know, uh, going to be an unrestricted free agent. I'm sure a lot of his media day questions were about whether he's going to be a Ranger much longer, <laughs> which is weird. <laughs> yeah, um, but I think for Barzal, there were some questions about being benched in the in the previous game before. I can't imagine anybody's yeah. gone into a, a media day at an All Star game coming off of that. Uh, and he handled it really well, and I think that is uh, is maybe the biggest um, positive for him and for the team and for Barry Trotz is that you know he was very clear and said it was on me. I didn't. I did something I wasn't supposed to do. Barry's our guy. I put my entire faith in him. And you know, uh, there's always uh, you know there's always an, a subtext to all this stuff. The subtext for Matthew Barzell is that his entry level deal expires at the end of this season. Uh, we already had crazy restricted free agent summer last summer when guys like <laughs> Mitch Marner and Patrick Laine and Kyle Connor and uh, Braden Point and a and a Miko Rantanen the list goes on and on of guys who yep. waited for the, someone else to blink and there were varying degrees whether it was there were a couple of two year deals a couple of three year deals four and five year deals taking guys right up to the edge of unrestricted free agency. Um, Barzell's really kind of the king of the the hill right now, going into this coming summer as an RF as the unrest, you know the restricted free agent crop. Um, he's not going to take a discount. I can't imagine he's going to want to take a, a two times six and a half type deal to sort of kick the can down the road. Uh, this is going to be a hard negotiation, and I think these things that come up during the season, he gets benched, maybe he's pissed off, um, get people you know clenching their teeth a little bit because. There was a guy who was the star of the team not long ago, different situation, who decided he didn't want to stay. Um, So, you know, when when you hear him saying, you know, it's on me, I have full faith in Barry, could be could be bullshit, but it doesn't seem like that's uh, that's his style. And uh, I don't necessarily think it's going to affect what happens in the offseason with negotiations between his camp and Lou Lamarillo. But um, but yeah, it was uh, I just thought that was an interesting you know, he could have kind of brushed it off, I guess, and said, "Not a big deal, not a big deal," and maybe kind of reading between the lines. But I think he was pretty—he yeah. was pretty straightforward in what he said and, and took full responsibility. I—it—it I, it, it shows one. Uh, I, I like it. It shows two things to me: uh, maturity and leadership. Uh, that's that's what you hear out of that. He he knew right away, and, and uh, I kind of learned a little bit of a, a couple lessons in New York too, because you know those New York media guys—they're they're crafty. Hey, they hey, know how to hey, word. Oh, hey, sorry, sorry, hey. so sorry, sorry about that. What was wait, that part was a compliment. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> no, uh, you you learn uh, quickly in professional sports. Uh, I mean, there was incidences in Florida uh, uh, with uh, good old Mike Russo back down there. He was the Sun Sentinel. That's um, right. Uh, Following you, know, you around, right? Nonstop, 
No, no, Mike's great. He was always really nice to me. But you, you the older guys, having an older team, uh, you know, when I get quoted saying certain things and just trying to be honest, I, I can't think of anything like off the top of my head exactly or detailed or anything like that. But where the older guys like, you might want to be a little careful when you answer those questions. Right? You just, if, you, if there's something that is uncomfortable about the team, whatever, this is how you either deflect or you just, on the opposite way, you always bring it back to the team. And the way Barzell handled that was was perfect. You know, you, it's tough sometimes. And, and, and there's some sense. And the other part of it, too, is uh, you, you're invested. We're, we're, we're lifers in hockey. So there's we kind of have to bite our tongue. We're, we're used to being honest. And in the locker room, when things are said, you, you, you're just up front. You're, for, you're you know, being uh, uh, just completely honest, forthright. Here's what I'm have to say, and then you argue about it. You de- you debate it in the locker room. Like, okay, I was wrong. It, you can't make that same thing in the newspaper because if you are say it to or answer a question that way, that's in ink forever. It'd be like some idiot telling the fans to say home on like the Long <laughs> Island, you know, things like that. So uh, I love the way he handled it. Uh, in a different situation, uh, especially be- because of the All-Star game, being there, and this is supposed to be a celebration of, uh, of the, the, the greats in hockey and the individuals, as you said, uh, and to deal with those kind of questions, I guarantee you that bothered him. I guarantee you. He didn't want to talk about that. He wanted to move on. But the way he handled it, like I said, uh, not only maturity, but that shows leadership. We're going to look into the Islanders' second half of the season but if you were to guess, on average, how many days people in the U.S. have to wait to see a doctor, what would you say? A week, maybe? Actually, on average, people have to wait around 29 days to see a doctor in major U.S. cities. Basically a month. And if you're dealing with a condition like erectile dysfunction, you want treatment ASAP. That's why our friends at Roman have spent years building a digital platform that can connect you with a doctor licensed in your state, all from the comfort of your own home. Roman makes it convenient to get the treatment you need on your schedule. Just grab your phone or computer, complete a free online visit, and you'll hear back from a U.S. licensed physician within 24 hours. And if the doctor decides that treatment is right for you, Roman's Pharmacy can ship your medication to you with free two-day shipping. You also get free unlimited follow-ups with your doctor anytime you have questions or want to adjust your treatment plan. With Roman, there are no commitments and you can cancel anytime. So if you're struggling with ED, go to GetRoman.com Belmont for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com Belmont for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. So uh, it's going to be a little bit until the Islanders play another game Saturday afternoon uh, out in Brooklyn. The Vancouver Canucks come to town for their one visit, and that's uh, the Islanders' last 33 games are kind of an interesting mix. Uh, I think they only have 10 divisional games left, uh, and I think it's almost an even split between Eastern and Western Conference games remaining, which is... Usually you see it the other way. You see you get the, the, the rare visits out of the way early, and then down the stretch it's all teams that you're vying for playoff spots with. But And this is probably a good thing because their division is the toughest one in the league by a long way right now. <laughs> yes. you got one left with Washington, one left with Pittsburgh, uh, two left with Carolina, both at home, one left with Columbus. Um, 
one with the Rangers, and I and I think two with Philly and two with the Devils. Um, and starting off, they come out with three straight home games. They're all Western Conference teams. Vancouver comes in, Dallas comes in the week after, and then L.A. before they go, I think, play six of the next seven on the road. And four of those are another Western Conference trip with Nashville, Vegas, Arizona, and Colorado. Western Conference has been a little easier, I think, on most teams this year. Not the Islanders, who have kind of sucked against most of the Western Conference, which is strange because that's where a majority of the meh teams are. But maybe they'll get it figured out. When you come out of a long break, everyone's going to step off the plane uh, in the next couple of days from Turks and Caicos or St. Lucia or the <laughs> Florida or wherever, get back on the ice on Thursday, a couple of days of practice, and then Saturday afternoon, Barclays, you know, Brooklyn, the atmosphere not quite as charged, although the Islanders have been good there this year, against a fairly unfamiliar team. Do, would you rather have... Have it be, you know, the Rangers or the Flyers or the Penguins or the Caps to kind of get the blood flowing a little bit, or would you? Is it? Do you kind of want to ease into it? I guess. Man, I, 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 I as you were talking about that, I was literally trying to debate that in my head. <laughs> uh, it's and, and I, I could literally argue both. Um, uh, it, it's nice to. It, it, it'll be nice for them to play, and, and obviously they're going to have to just. The good thing about playing, you know, out of conference, you don't see them as much, so you really, you're really not going to worry about them as much. You're going to focus on yourself, which which Coach Trotz does as well. Uh, so you're going to focus on just our team. Hey, how are we playing? How do we get better? This is what we have to do. So, so in your mindset, because, uh, and again, to go with my next argument is is then all of a sudden you can come back and play against your own division. And you're not worried about if you're excuse me if you're playing against your own division you're not worried about being at a four point game you're not you know you're not worrying about things like that when you're playing the Western Conference because like all right well we gave them two points but at least it doesn't matter against us so it's it's kind of a free two points in a mindset if it's, it might be a little loose in saying so but that that's kind of what the the mindset is when you're playing the other conference if you lose well at least at least they didn't jump ups in the standings or anything right. like that now when you're the, on a flip side. Uh, playing against your division now this is the time yeah this is this is the ramp so so this is this is when you're trying to you're you're getting to be your best hockey best team you could possibly be ramping up getting ready to be ready for playoff hockey which we all know is different and which is all one of the things that i think all of us love the absolute most about the nhl is our playoffs it just it just gets ramped up to it to a completely another level so then if you turn around and you do play more of those division games and you're in more of those situations where this is a four-point game, where there's an emphasis on each game, a much more, much, much more of an emphasis on each game as opposed to playing someone in the other conference, because well, I can't just we can't just give them two points. We need these games. So you're earlier on your mind, you're, you're starting to get focused, and you're starting to get into that playoff style hockey mentality earlier on, and that's exactly what you want to be doing. Uh, it, coming down the season, coming down the home stretch, you want to be ramping up, ramping up, and then all of a sudden, boom! Like you're ready, you're already in playoff mode. And and I think the best example of that is uh, Tampa Bay last year. Yeah. They, they just they never were pushed. They weren't forced to get up into that where they didn't have to fight tooth and nail, not just to make the playoffs. You know, or excuse me, just to make the playoffs. They had to fight tooth and nail as opposed to where Columbus did. And look what happened. Yeah, yeah, and I don't think the Islanders are going to be 
you know, I don't think we're going to see another 15-0-2 run out of them <laughs> for this stretch. So it's going to be a, it's be awfully impressed. <laughs> it's going to be it's going to be a fight, and uh, yeah. there's not going to be a lot of a lot of secure feeling looking up at the at the scoreboard or at the standings after a night's game. So, um, and I, you know, and I think this is a team that's built to withstand that. They they certainly were last year, even though they were in a very solid playoff position. And frankly, they are in a pretty solid playoff position now. I think them having uh, among the fewer games left in the division uh, out of those teams that are chasing for a playoff spot certainly helps them because they're not all going to be three-point games. Not everybody's going to get points every night, which it's felt like for the last couple months, whether it's Pittsburgh or Washington or even Columbus, it's been on such a hot streak. You know, guys, Teams are going to lose. They're going to hit some skids. Yep. And, um, and I think the Islanders uh, have probably already played – some of the hardest stretches of their schedule, especially, you know, this last month, even though they didn't travel a ton, having to do that, you know, without a couple of their key guys. And, and we'll see where Cal Clutterbuck is uh, in his recovery from uh, from surgery on his wrist. If, uh, if he's able to start getting back on the ice and slowly getting back, you know, there's 12 games uh, starting Saturday, 12 games between the resumption of play this weekend and the trade deadline. Um enough time maybe for one of their guys to come back. I don't think Adam Pellick's going to be back, but uh, but if Clutterbuck yeah. is back, maybe that helps a little bit. Um, I'm curious what you think, you know, if there's one or two guys that you see on the roster outside of the obvious Barzell, whoever, that you feel like is going to be, you know, you, you want to, someone, if someone t- takes a big step forward or, or assumes a big responsibility over these next couple of months, that uh, that's going to go a long way to helping them secure a good playoff spot and be ready for the playoffs. Yeah, and, and uh, th- these are the moments that, that you're looking for your leaders. Uh, and, and I'm n- not necessarily just putting it on you know, the Anders Lee because he's the captain. You, you, you expect that. But uh, guys like uh, Nick Letty, uh, you know, the back end, uh, guys that have been around. This is the time of year where, where these guys, you know, especially guys like Nick, who's won a Stanley Cup, who's been there, done that. This is when you're looking for those guys to step up and, and uh, uh you actually not looking to. You need those right. guys to step up. Your leaders, your spades got to be your spades. Your best players got to be your best players. Uh, the veteran leadership has to come up big when when it when it's said when it's all said and done, or if the, if the game's close coming down the coming down the stretch, or recognizing if the the team is a little out to lunch in the locker room. That's when you look at your leaders. Coaches aren't always in there, so they, they don't necessarily feel that uh, the rhythm, the, the emotional rhythm of a locker room, and that's where you're looking for those guys. So I, I, I to, uh, I have I yeah, I would say just those guys like that. You're, you're looking at Anders Lee, Brock Nelson, veterans like that, and now even even Matthew Barzell, he's been around now, uh, you know, with the All Star game. So you're looking for guys like that to step up, and and that's uh, I guess uh, not the, to answer your question, but that's the funny thing is is you're looking for the obvious one. <laughs> to step up and and lift everyone else's game so that, that so to guess who the the random two might be it's their leaders they got to look at their leaders they look at the guys that have been around the one cups Letties, the boy chucks the lees all all of those guys and now uh we'll leave everybody we, we forgot to squeeze it in in our first oh. segment with mark Parrish's all-star memories uh he says oh. this is a good one so i want to i want to i want us to leave this episode on a high note and be ready for for next week when the games are back in earnest and we've forgotten all about uh, not just this year's All-Stars, but Mark Parrish's All-Star event back in 2002 in L.A. So take it away, Mark. Take us Uh, away. 
Okay, so this was my absolute favorite, without a doubt, moment uh, at the All-Star Game, and, and quite possibly my favorite story to tell about my career period. Um, so, as I said earlier, there was a bunch of us first years, and uh, so we're not only before the game, but after the game, we're sitting in the locker room, and of course, Mario brought a dozen sticks because he knew everybody was going to ask for a signed stick, and they're passing him around in Korea and Pranger. Patrick Patrick Walk comes over and I'm right between Aginla and uh, Mikey York and uh, he's like, hey uh, Perry, you uh, you mind if I get one of your sticks? And, and they hadn't asked for any anybody else's stick. No Aginla, no Thornton, no nobody over here on this side of the bench, no Theodore, anything. I'm just, uh, yeah, yeah, of, of course you can. Yeah, you know any of the take any of the ones off the rack. And he kind of walks over and he. He walks over to me with it, and he's like, this one, this one? Yeah, I'm like, yeah, yeah, and I'm, and I'm turning for a Sharpie. And I turn back around, and, and he's got it in a vice, saws it in half, and hands it to his kid to go play hockey <laughs> out in the hallway. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just used man. that in the All-Star game. <laughs> I mean, we... We died. Thor- Thornton was, he was crying. He was laughing so hard. Because we all felt, felt the same thing. Like, holy crap. I'm like, man, I'm, I didn't expect this. Turn on there. It isn't a vice. Just on it. I'm <laughs> giving it to his wow. kid to play hockey with out in the hallway. Oh, God. I could not wait to get out of that locker room and tell my brother <laughs> and my everybody there. Oh, it was my favorite. Probably my favorite story, Mike. Off, off of the ice. That's amazing. Well, at least you've made a special memory for Patrick Roy's kid, as opposed it, it, to it, maybe somebody else in the room. But yeah, he must have <laughs> just liked the orange color of my yeah, stick. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> well, I'm glad we saved that one for the end because that's fantastic. Um, cool. Well, that's our that's our All Star edition of uh, No Sleep Till Belmont. Uh, thanks everybody for listening in here on the break. Uh, there will be some hockey again at some point, and we'll be talking about it next week. Um, so until then, uh, hopefully Patrick Roy's son still has that half stick somewhere in his in his garage uh, as a keepsake from 2002. But uh, that's Mark Parrish. I'm Arthur Staple. Thanks for listening.